You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. This whole crowd is there at the party, and then there's a, a big other crowd coming together for the festival in verse 12, John 12, 12. The next day, the, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. If I do this, that means just go, because I... Oh, uh, before we keep reading, I'm, we're going to have three images that we look at here. I'm just going to give up on that, Fidel. So, uh, three images we're going to look at here today that will kind of help us see what kind of church does God want us to have. So I won't tell you what these mean yet. We'll get to it. Donkey, city, and stone. So the first one we're going to talk about is donkey, but, but pick up the reading here. Okay, uh, verse 13, let's pick it up. Go ahead, Fidel. Uh, okay, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize all these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Okay, so... Uh, I think I just realized what's work, what was happening. Let me try it one more time here. Oh, yeah. Now I have control. Yay. Okay, sorry about that. All right, so I, I like that the, the last part here uh, is kind of encouraging to me uh, that the disciples didn't understand. No, it's not working. They didn't understand all this. You know, because uh, there's things that, uh, about God and the way God works that you just aren't going to understand at least the first pass, maybe the second pass, maybe the tenth pass. And there's things God continues to reveal to us. And I just think that's so cool. And it's encouraging how dull the disciples were sometimes in a kind of sideways way. Like, oh, I, I'm kind of encouraged that they didn't get it because I don't get it a lot of times. So we can have comfort in, uh, in knowing they didn't get it at first either. But as they went back, they realized that what was happening here was a fulfillment of this plan that God had always had for his Messiah and for his kingdom. So the first thing we're going to look at is this idea of the donkey, that Jesus came in riding on a donkey. Isn't that a kind of a strange image for this? You know, and, and a donkey to us is kind of a, a, a funny thing. Maybe we, 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 you, know, you think of Shrek maybe or... Uh, you know, it's not, it's not a very, it's not a, um, an animal that you just kind of esteem or value. But in the ancient world, it did have value. The donkey um, was not a, a lowly creature or kind of looked down on. A donkey was seen as an image of peace. And so uh, th there's other ancient references of kings riding on donkeys. But a donkey re represented peace, whereas a horse represented war. So for, for Jesus to come in, riding on a donkey represents he's coming in peace, and he's coming as a king of peace, which is odd because it's something that they didn't expect from the Messiah. They expected the Messiah was going to come to make war against Rome, who had conquered these, these Jewish people, and who was now ruling and, and, and occupying their city. Uh, and so they, they were desperately hoping for a Messiah who would come and rescue them from the Romans, and yet here comes 
this Messiah who, who doesn't, he's not a warrior, he's a, you know, a prophet, he's from a, a small insignificant town, he doesn't have property, he doesn't have possessions and things, you know, and he's riding on a donkey. He, he's coming as a, as a savior and as a, as, as a, a, a Messiah, but in a, a different way than they probably expected. But it is a fulfillment of this passage Zechariah 9, 9, and, and John gives it to us where it says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So the fact that Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey, and, and, and you see from other passages that he had set this up ahead of time and kind of arranged for this donkey that he could ride in on and, and told his disciples to go get it, and so he had arranged with the owner of the donkey. Uh, you know, when they say the Lord needs it, that's who it is. Oh, good, that'll work better, huh? Thank you. Awesome. Um, so, so, uh, so Jesus was very intentional about fulfilling this passage. He was intentionally making a deliberate claim of being the Messiah. This was carefully planned. Um, and, and yet we see this image that, that salvation came, but in a, in a different way than they, they had expected. And so for us today... Uh, we need to be a church that trusts God's plan, even if it's not maybe what our plan would be or how we think God should operate in the world. We got to be a people that trust God's plan. And uh, earlier in the, in, the, in the passage, let me just back up and show this to you. It says they were taking palm branches in verse 13 and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. When they were shouting that, they were quoting a passage, Psalm 118. Psalm 118 was the last of a, of a section of, of songs that God's people would sing. They were all praise songs, and it was the last of them. And, and every Jewish boy, uh, Barclay, who's a, a commentator, says that every Jewish boy memorized these, these psalms. They, they knew these back and forth. And so they're quoting this, this, uh, this psalm. They're singing this song. And uh, the, the, Hosanna is an Aramaic term, which is, it means deliver us or save us now, rescue us. Uh, and then, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, I want you to turn over to uh, Psalm 18 together really quick. I don't have it on the screen, but I want to show you this. It's kind of cool. Psalm 118. And you can keep your finger in, in John 12. We'll come back. So if you're saying, rescue us, deliver us, Hosanna... You recognize you're in a desperate situation, and you can't get yourself out of it. And this is a psalm that was um, referring to, to battle often, that God rescue us, save us in battle. Um, but I remember um, when I was in high school going to a, um, a friend of mine's birthday party, and it was at this lake uh, where they, you could rent different equipment and everything, and people were doing different water sports, and I decided I would try windsurfing. And... Um, so I was able to get up on the, on the board, and I, you know, the way windsurfing works, so you're on this big board, and then you have a sail that you're just kind of hanging onto, and you let the wind drive you forward. It was a little tricky at first, but then I was able to figure out, you know, staying up and then having the wind carry me, and it was really fun. You can kind of get going really fast uh, as the wind is pushing you along, uh, but, but what, what, what happened is I got further and further out into the lake, and I, I realized that I knew how to go the direction the wind was going, but I didn't know how to go any other direction, you know? Nobody told me that. How do I get back to shore? Um, so I'm just out there for a long time. Uh, finally, I just kind of, you know, nobody knew that I needed to be rescued. And I'm way out there, but I have no way of getting back. And so I just remember being kind of like, what, what, what do I do? How do I show people that I'm 
I'm trapped out here. And finally, I just kind of let the sail down and just sat there for who knows how long, a long time. And then, you know, some of the, the security or the medical people or whatever, they came out on a boat and I could see them coming. It's like, yay! You know, and, and my guess is that happened to people often and they realize, okay, this guy needs to be rescued. But I remember in that moment being like, yes, I'm being rescued! And uh, that's, that's the sentiment of this feeling of Hosanna and, and waving palm branches and we're being rescued. We can't take care of the Romans ourselves, and yet we're being rescued. But there's some interesting things in this passage. Look, um, look at what's earlier in this passage. In verse 22, it says, you'll, you'll recognize this if you've read the New Testament a lot. It says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Anybody recognize that? Jesus quoted that, right? Peter quoted that. And we'll look at Peter's quote in a minute of that. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then verse 24, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Anybody have a translation that says this is the day the Lord has made? Okay, yeah, that's the older translation, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So it's cool how the Holy Spirit worked that this, this passage that people are quoting, Lord, save us and deliver us, and, and a little later it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in that same passage, is also talking about the story of Jesus, that the st- Jesus was, was the stone the builders rejected. He, in a, the cornerstone is when, in the ancient times when you would build a building of bricks like this, you would pick a perfect stone for the, for the first stone, on, and, and then you would build the angles off of there to make the whole building. And, and the, the builders rejected this stone, not even to be used in the building, and yet it became the cornerstone. That's the story of Christ, that he was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the religious establishment of, of his day, and yet he becomes the foundation of the kingdom of God. Um, so isn't that cool? That's, this is, it's in this passage that is hundreds and hundreds of years earlier uh, uh, that, that was part of the, 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 the kind of all the, the Bible that all of the people used and the songs that they sang. And it's right there that this is who Jesus would become. You know, this, this unexpected Messiah. And it tells me that God always had a plan to rescue his people from their sin. And yet, uh, yet he, he didn't come in the way that people expected. And uh, for us today, you know, our, we might think my greatest need is this or my greatest need is that. And yet God looks at us and he probably says, your greatest need is spiritual. And any king that doesn't rescue from the spiritual need is not, not the king that we need. You know, the only, only a king who comes to deal with our sin can give us the hope that we really need. And that's who Jesus is. And it's interesting that... Uh, Another passage that we don't have time to get into, you could really geek out on this, but this is in Daniel 9. And if you're into this kind of stuff, you can, can research it. But in Daniel 9, um, it's an amazing chapter where Daniel is praying. He says he's confessing his own sin and the sin of his people, and he's calling on God. And this angel, Gabriel, comes to him, says, I, I, as soon as you started praying, I, I was sent to give you this answer. And he tells, uh, tells Daniel that there's going to be the set period of time, and I'm just telling you about it just because you're awesome, Daniel, and I want you to know. There's going to be this set period of time from the, the time that it's decreed to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem until the time the Messiah comes is this exact number of years. And it's, uh, uh, it's a certain number of sevens and 77s or whatever, but it's 483 years. Um, and it, using a different calendar, they had a calendar of a 360-day years. People have calculated, and, and it lines up exactly with this time, this day. 
uh, that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. Exactly, exactly lines up with this prophecy in Daniel, which was written at least 500 years before. So again, it just tells you that God's plan, uh, we can trust it, that God is in control and we can trust his plan. So we need to be a church that trusts God's plan. Uh, second, secondly, I want to talk about being a church that recognizes God's presence. And I want to turn over to Luke 19, if you would. Luke 19. So this, is a, this event, this Palm Sunday, is in all four Gospels. Uh, and this is a, So that's significant, right, that it's in all four. It means this must be important to God. But uh, we're going to look at a, a parallel version of the, the, the triumphant entry here. Luke chapter 19 and verse 35. It says, They brought it to Jesus, that's the donkey they're talking about, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So that's just this kind of, you've heard that term of rolling out the red carpet. That's kind of what they're doing. They're trying to, um, you know, make it really special. Here's this uh, king that's coming in, the Messiah is coming in. Uh, when he took the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, that's from Psalm 118. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Or some translations say, even the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and he said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. Again, he's, the, he's coming on a donkey. He's coming as a king, coming in peace, right? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon, when, upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, we see the religious establishment was bothered. We saw that in John as well. And this is where they resolve that they, they need to kill Jesus. And they, they decide they want to kill Lazarus as, as well. But they are, they are bothered uh, by Jesus. They, don't, they reject him. They don't see what he's, what he's doing. And yet look at, uh, at Jesus' heart uh, for the people, the compassion he has, right? It says he, he wept over the city. And, and he saw that the pain and, and, and the, the agony that would come, that would follow because they rejected him. Um, what, and, and he fulfills that, or he promises that not one stone is going to be left on another in this city. And that did indeed transpire, that did indeed happen in 70 AD, the Roman government sacked the whole city of Jerusalem. They, they did surround it, they, uh, just like Jesus said would happen, and, uh, and, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of Jews were killed. And uh, it, it was just this horrific scene uh, that, that took place because they, they didn't accept Jesus. They kept fighting against Rome instead of accepting his way and his messiahship and, and, and his path. Although the Christians, you know, they took, you remember those different stories where Jesus says, when you see this happen, when you see that happen, flee, get out, go to the hills, get out of the city. So all the Christians left the city when this stuff was happening. And so they, they all escaped that destruction of 70 AD, but all these people were, were destroyed. But you see God's, uh, God, uh, God's judgment comes upon the city. 
And, and what, what we want to learn from this is we want to be a church that recognizes God's presence and power. We don't want to be like the, the religious establishment that failed to see what God was doing or failed to accept how he was working. But we want to recognize his presence and his power in our life. And he, he, said, he d describes that the, the, the disciples were just so caught up in how amazing it was that God was, was doing something that they were singing and they were praising and they were crying out. And, and, and the religious establishment is annoyed by this. You know, they, 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 they tell them to be quiet. They're, they're, it's undignified. It's not right what they're doing. And Jesus says, if, if they're silent, even the stones will cry out. What does that mean? I, I think it means that when, when we worship Jesus... We are joining creation. We are in tune with the cosmos. You know, we are kind of, uh, again, this is all God's plan. And so we're, we're in line with how we were meant to live and who we're meant to be when we praise Jesus and when we worship him as our king. And uh, when we lift praise, uh, we are, uh, you know, puts us in the... the the place that we're supposed to be. You know, we talked last week about opening your eyes, and Jesus was always telling his, his, his followers to open their eyes to the spiritual reality of what's really going on. Um, I was, one, one of my favorite places to, to, to kind of get in tune with the spiritual reality is at youth camp every year, and I've been going to youth camp for about eight years, and how many of you guys have gone to youth camp before? Okay, so no, a number of you have all, a lot of the teens. And we're up in the mountains in Idlewild, and every night we spend, you know, 45 minutes praising God, and there's no cell phones up there, and there's no media, and there's no, you're just away on this mountaintop with God and His people, and it, there's just something amazing about it. The, you just feel the Spirit is working, and it, it reminds me of what it must have been like for this group at this moment, like God is doing something, that heaven is breaking through. Even the stones could be singing right now. And I don't think he meant that literally, but it's just this sense of the cosmos and God is at work. And uh, I was, when I was up there this last uh, summer, something happened to me that's never happened to me before since it was so weird. Uh, I just got to share with you. But I was, I was in this field uh, having a quiet time, spending time with God. Um, it was kind of in between things. The kids were on free time. So I'm just sitting on this bench and I was writing in my prayer journal. And I was just writing about being at youth camp. And I was, I was like, thank you, God, for these trees. Uh, thank you for these birds. Thank you for the, the kids running around learning about you. And, and just kind of all of God's creation. Thank you for the blue sky. And just, I'm writing all these things down. I wrote something about, I, I literally, I wrote something about the birds and their songs. And, and um, I, I'm kind of a science guy, so I, I love the fact that, you know, people think that birds are descendants of the dinosaurs, you know, so I just like thinking about how the whole, the whole world was teeming with these huge creatures that in order to make it, uh, you know, a, a, a humans able to live here, God had to like make them just these little bitty, <laughs> these little bitty things that are now just tweeting songs, you know, these huge massive dinosaurs are now just these little bitty tweety birds uh, that are kind of all around us. And, you know, if you ever go out for a walk, if you just stop and listen, you just hear birds everywhere. So I like to think about how all those dinosaurs have been replaced by all these little birds. So um, anyway, I was just writing, you know, writing about that in my journal, and I'm sitting on this bench, you know, like this and writing, and I swear, this is true, this bird... This little Tweety Bird comes and lands on my knee. As I'm writing in my journal, he lands on my knee, and he just kind of looks at me like, hey, dude. And I was like, what? Is this a vision? Like, is this really happening? And he just sat there for, you know, a beat, you know, a few seconds, just kind of looking at me like. And then he just flew off. But it was right after I wrote this in my prayer journal about the birds, you know. 
And, uh, and I don't know, you know, is God in heaven arranging all these kinds of things? And you might want to argue with me about that. And that's fine if you don't believe that he did that. But I feel like I'm going to give God glory for that. I mean, that's never happened to me in my life. Have I had a bird come and sit on my knee? Do you know what I mean? And I'm just writing it right then and, and, and it happened. But, but, uh, but I just think it, it, things like that make me feel like I want to I be who God wants me to be. I don't want to try to make God into my image or make his way be what I want. My, my, uh, his way to be. I, I want to conform myself to his image for me. You know, I want to uh, I want to trust his plan as we talked about and I want to sense recognize his presence and power. I don't want to be like the city that that Jesus was praying for that that didn't recognize him. And so if if we are T together, a collection of people who are recognizing um, God's presence and power, we're going to be our own city within a city. Do you know what I mean? That's who God's people were in the first century. There was this huge Roman power, and, and there was, uh, you know, the, even here the religious establishment, but, but Jesus' followers were like this little uh, society, this little city within a city that, sh that had different values. They saw the world differently. They recognized the Messiah differently than everybody else. Uh, they, 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 they realize that, that God is doing something and, and, and we want to be in tune with it. And when you do get in tune with what God is doing, there's no, there's no greater feeling than feeling like, okay, I, I, I'm connecting with God and, and I'm, I'm fulfilling the plan he has for me. And, and um, I was in a Bible study with Calvin a few weeks ago with this really, really successful guy. Uh, he'd done all kinds of things on a, in a human scale, you know, he's, he hit the top, you know, he, he's had, you know, he's accomplished everything humans would want to accomplish, and yet he's still searching, and still, you know, he, he didn't have what he was looking for, and, and uh, Calvin was able to, to, to share with him about, Calvin shared about his own life, and he said, you know, I, I saw that no matter what I did, no matter how many things I accomplished, and if you know Calvin, I mean, he was a college athlete, and, and he's a doctor, and, he, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, he married Elaine, you know, that's one of the top ones. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he's the chief of anesthesiology at, the, at the, the hospital for the stars, you know what I mean? He's like, he's accomplished a lot, and yet he said everything that I did, it's like, I, I recognize nothing could fill that hole, that God-shaped hole that I had. Only God could, I had a hole that only God could fill. And, and, and as he was sharing this with this other guy, the, you know, the guy was kind of resistant to it, and, 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 but then he was like, yeah, you know what, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, uh, and, and his eyes started to open up a little bit, you know, to, to okay, yeah, you're right. I, I am searching for something. I, I, there is something that I've always known is missing. And everybody is looking for that. They're just looking for it in different ways. And so we're just the people who, we, we've stumbled upon this. We've we, we found, you know, who Jesus is. And, and we found that what the scriptures really say. And we, we want to, again, be, be these ambassadors for that. Within the city that we're in, we want to be ambassadors for this new way of seeing the world. Recognizing God's presence and power. You know, we believe that the day, this day that, that happened, this Palm Sunday, it still echoes. The stones still cry out. Jesus is risen and he's reigning right now. And we believe he's coming back. And the thing that's interesting is in Revelation, he's not riding on a donkey. What is he riding on in Revelation? A battle horse. You know, he will come back, but not for peace, for war. So now is the time for people to make peace with God. And so we've got to uh, uh, be ambassadors for that, be representatives of that peace, because a time will, will come when it will be too late. And so while we're here, we need to connect people. Uh, the last thing it has to do with who we are, and that is being uh, 
these stones that he, you know, he says, even the stones will cry out if, if, if my disciples keep quiet. That's kind of who you and I are. If you don't believe that, look at this verse. Uh, look in uh, 1 Peter 2. You can turn there. Or actually, I think I have all of it on the screen. So Peter, who was present for this occurrence, many, many years later, he writes this. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Remember we talked about the, in Psalm 118, the, the stone the builders rejected. So you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to become a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. That's a quote from Isaiah 28. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's Psalm 118, which we looked at earlier. So again, Peter is saying, God has this plan. Jesus is fulfilling this plan. We are people who are are trying to recognize that plan and, and see what God is doing in the world and, and align ourselves to it. And so we, he says, are like these living stones. So what, what, what is that all about? He says these stones are, are being built to become a house of praise, uh, a, a holy temple. In, in Ephesians 2, it says that the, the, these, these different bricks or these different stones that we represent are, are, are building a holy temple in which God's Spirit dwells. In the, in the Old Testament, in, in the, the first uh, covenant, God's Spirit dwelt in that temple, but that was just a, a shadow of what would be to come, and that is that the church becomes the temple in which God's Spirit dwells. So each one of you is this stone that's being built together to build a house of praise, a spiritual house of praise. And that helps us to think about what we're trying to do as we're, as we're starting this new ministry and as we are, you know, setting up for Easter next week and there'll be a lot of guests coming and you might be the first or the last Christian that, you know, one of these visitors ever interacts with. So it helps you to think about what kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to rep represent this house of, of praise? How do I want to fit into what God is doing? The story right after this uh, in, in the, the, the book of, of Luke where we are is where Jesus cleanses the temple because people were going there wanting to worship and yet they were being taken advantage of. And uh, Jesus said they had turned the, the temple into a den of robbers because they were just trying to take advantage of people. Um, I, I'm sure that you know, that's not going to be people's experience next week. Um, but, but they could be turned off by something we say or something we do, or maybe they just nobody greets them or, or uh, you know, they're not welcomed in, they're not connected. Um, you know, so we want to think about that. Be intentional about every interaction you have with, with, and it's not just next week at Easter, but on your job or at your school um, or in your neighborhood, you are a representative of the kingdom of God to people. You, you are an ambassador for Christ. Um, we are being built together to be this temple. Um, when, when, we, when we invite people to church, a lot of times they go, what church? And we go, well, uh, it used to be, I would say, the L.A. Church of Christ. Oh, is it up in L.A.? No, it's in Redondo. You know? so, so now we started kind of saying the South Bay Church, so at least people know, okay, that we're, it's, but people think of a, a building, you know? And yet we think of, no, it's, it's a people. It's, we're we're, a, we're a, a, a movement. We're a group of people, disciples of Jesus, who are following him and, and representing him everywhere we are. And so we want to connect people in to that 
body. You know, we want to be connectors. Uh, I appreciate Clay and Lynn are always connectors, Clay and Lynn Jackson. You know, Clay is always looking for who might have come off the internet or who's not connected to somebody and trying to make that connection. I know, you know, Brock and Norma, the first time they came to church, Clay and Lynn connected them and invited them over for dinner. And, um, you know, that, that's awesome, you know, if we can all do that. I appreciate so many other people who are working so hard to build up the, the house of praise behind the scenes. And, and we're going to be setting up uh, for church this next Saturday. We're going to be at the facility getting everything set up. And I appreciate the worship team and the tech team. And they worked so hard. I mean, last week, uh, ben was doing something for church every single day last week. You know, Ben and Jerry, you know, the, our, our own worship team, Ben and Jerry. Uh, Jerry was working hard, you know, and, and uh, we, we did this praise night for the singles ministry and Ben brought his amp and his amp was messing up and, you know, it kept making sounds he didn't want it to make and, and he's just struggling, you know. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, he's trying to, trying to make his face look happy but he's not happy, you know, because... So then he gives up and goes backstage and he's just praying like, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? But I just appreciate that, that these guys are investing their talents and their, their hard work to try to build a house of praise. And every single person here, you know, we, we all are, need to be a part of that. Each one of you is a living stone being built to become this temple. And uh, look what he says. He says that we are a, a, a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Every believer is called to be part of the priesthood. You know, that, that's kind of amazing to think about. There's not just, uh, you know, a few select that are the ministers or the... Every disciple of Jesus is a holy priesthood. And so before we take communion together, I just want to... Um, like we did last week, have a little bit of sharing about that. What does it mean to you to be... A, a part of a, of a holy priesthood. What does it mean to you to be a priest? Um, what comes to mind if you think about that responsibility that you have to be a priest? What, what comes to mind? And uh, we'll have a little bit of sharing and then uh, I will pray for communion uh, after that and then we'll share that together. But anybody, raise your hand. What, what does it mean to you to be a priest? Yeah, Sandy. Oh, stand up and share your name as well so we get to know each other. Okay. Being an example and a role model, people. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Amen. So going to the Bible first and, and responding to people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. He said being a link to God. That's what the priest literally would do, would be connect people to God, make intercession for people. And every person can have their own relationship with God, but we're the ones that connect them a lot of times to God and teach them how to have a relationship with God, teach them how to know the Bible and how to pray and how to read scripture. Yeah. Amen. Some, that's a good responsibility. Somebody that has unlimited res compassion for people. Yeah. Mm 
Amen. So uh, if you didn't hear, David said uh, somebody who makes intercession on behalf of others as well as someone who sets an example for others. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. Patricia said also someone that is a shepherd that's leading people spiritually. All right, last one. Awesome. Yeah, the story of the Good Samaritan took care of people's, took care of the man's needs, really met his needs. Uh, I think uh, another thing I think of the priesthood, the Le- Levitical priesthood, something I don't think anybody mentioned, but just the, the responsibility of be- bringing praise. You know, that a lot of the priests, their job was just bringing glory to God, like full time. You know, you're just keep the lamp burning and put this incense here and do this. And that. Just the, the point of, of praising God, putting God in his rightful place before humans. And so as priests, we are to bring glory to God. Here it says, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are able to enter the the holy place, the Bible says in Hebrews. We are able to come to God, directly to God, because of that sacrifice of Jesus, because of his body, and because of his blood given for us. Amen? Amen. So sing with me this chorus one more time, and then we'll pray for communion. Rejoice, rejoice, I will lift my voice and join the song. Creation is singing, sing and shout, even stones cry out, I must rejoice. For you are my king. One more time. Rejoice, rejoice. I will lift my voice and join the song. Creation is singing. Sing and shout. Even stones cry out. I must rejoice. For you are my King. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that we could gather today around the table and and, uh, remember Jesus' body and blood given for us as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine uh, and uh, just celebrate uh, the, the triumphal entry, celebrate the King of Kings who came in such a humble way to the earth. Uh, to show his, his humanity, to show his humility, to show he could connect with each one of us and uh, empathize with us in our weakness and be with us in our struggles in this world and yet show us the way to you and show us that you have a plan and show us that we can trust your presence and your power in our lives. And I pray that you would open our eyes to that power. I pray you would open our eyes to your presence every day, God, not just when we gather on Sunday, but every day that we could watch for you working and that we could lay our our requests before you and wait in eager expectation and that we could say no to sin because it, it disconnects us from you, God, and that we could just strive to be deeper and closer to you every single day. Thank you for the grace that's possible through Jesus and his blood. Uh, thank you that every single one of our sins can be forgiven because of his sacrifice for us and because he came to the earth in the way he did. Uh, bless this time of communion as a body um, that we can share together, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 